is depression funny? Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, it's like the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's utterly, it's a very good question. Uh, no, it's totally hilarious. I mean, the thing is, a lot of the sorts of uh, jokes you make when you're down in the well do not sound funny to other people. Sometimes I'll be telling stories about uh, the abuse that I encountered when I was young on stage. And details of them will strike me as very funny, right? And I can always tell who my people are in the audience because they're the ones who don't look horrified. <laughs> they're the ones who are like, no, I get it. You know, it's like, that's funny. It's not funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. It's the hilarious world of depression, placebo edition. I'm John Moe. Placebos are mini episodes of the show. They're shorter than our main regular episodes. They don't feature the comprehensive biographical profiles of famous guests like our regular main episodes do. They're hors d'oeuvres, really. They're appetizers. We will be back pretty soon with a new set of main courses, a rather huge season of episodes. Look to early fall for that. So a few weeks ago, we asked you, the listener, for songs that helped you when depression was really acting up and really being a jerk. What music helped you through? And we were deluged with responses. And one band that kept coming up over and over again was the Mountain Goats. John Darneal has been putting out music as the Mountain Goats since 1991, alone and recording himself on a boombox in the beginning, but now for several years with a full band making some great albums and touring a lot. And yes, he knows the ways of depression. You're in the middle of a tour. How's uh, How are you holding up? Mm. <laughs> I try the thing is you always nobody ever goes mm, great. Well, but here's the thing is like there's a I'm a musician, right? So I'm getting to play music for people who enjoy it and who tell me how useful my music has been to them. So it's pretty unseemly uh, for most uh, most people find they don't want to hear musicians especially uh, saying I'm not doing so good at my job where I set the hours and I chose to do it, <laughs> right? And I you know and I get I you know I don't have to. I'm technically only on the clock for two hours a night, right? right? Except I'm actually on the clock 24 hours a day, and I'm away from my family, uh, and uh, and my sleep's upside down. So, and I, I mean, I can't sleep, so I'm I'm uh, I'm struggling. <laughs> it's like I'm, the shows are good. The part where I play music is good, yeah. Uh, and the rest of it, I'm uh, I'm in the fog. So we did this show a few weeks ago. We did actually a, sort of a two-parter show about songs that people use to to get them through things. And we heard about everybody from Peter Gabriel to there was Broadway shows that people used, all sorts of things. And, uh, and then you kept coming up. The Mountain Goats <laughs> kept coming up. And uh, one of them was, was Amy, a.k.a. Spent Gladiator. Yes, yeah, yeah. Guess what the other one was? Uh, this year. This year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
And this year is is a song that I know is one of your more popular ones. And I, I wonder, like, did it is, is so many people are inspired by it. They must come up and talk to you about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's wonderful. It's a huge gift. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's funny, the first one to do that was Peter, because I hadn't finished the song, and I told him, well, you know... Peter from your band? Yeah, Peter Hughes. Uh, and the way that the way that I was writing in those days was I'd write, some, write a song, demo it, and send it to Peter, right? Sometimes I'd get a couple before I'd send it to Peter. It's still pretty much that way. He gets them first. Uh, often I send it to everybody now. But but uh, so, so here's this song, you know, um, probably I'll fix the chorus later, get a, get a rhyme line, you know. And then I went on vacation, and uh, and he uh, that and up the wolves, up the wolves was the other one. But, uh, but he said, no, you're not going to change the chorus. That's that's done, right? That was. And even when we got to the studio, I was like, that's ah, just one line. It doesn't rhyme, you know. Uh, but uh, but once it got done, it sounded it's it sounded good. And then it has to sort of taken on a life of its own. Uh, you know, we played it in the, as the duo for a while. Once we added John and got that hard driving beat, uh, it's sort of uh, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's the, it's the it's the song that I will be remembered for. Does it do what you thought it would in the world? Like, were you putting it out there to inspire people? No, no. I was. I was just. I mean. I was just writing about, I and mean, that's an actual story of an actual day. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. I was just trying From to situate, situate myself in was well, 17. Um, uh, so I was trying to situate myself in that day and tell a true story about it. You know, that was all I was trying to do was was accurately represent the mindset of 17 year old me on a on a on a late winter day in Southern California in 1984 or five. Mm-hmm. So. Do you write songs? to inspire or do you write songs just for the the truth of the story that you're telling i write songs to find out what's going on inside my head it's it's exploratory it's it's not it's not didactic i mean i i hope i trust that when you make something when i make something that it will somehow be useful to somebody somewhere Mm -hmm. Uh, and if it doesn't that's you know it's fine but but that's what i'm doing is i'm trying to make uh sort of uh i usually carry stones in my pockets and i find them useful and that's what i'm doing is making little little talismans for people to carry if, if they're useful. What do you mean you carry stone, actual stones in your yeah, pocket? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was just checking my pockets for yeah. them. I didn't want to have them. I carry uh, like, uh, you know, rose quartz or kyanite uh, or, uh, uh, I mean, amber. I, have, I bought one who, I bought some jet. You know, like, you know the term jet black? Yeah, yeah. That's well, there's a stone called jet. It's not really a stone. I think it's actually uh, fossilized sap. I'm not quite sure. Wow. But it's got this beautiful sheen to it. You, you buy them at these stores that they attribute all sorts of, uh, all sorts of um, magic powers to them, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, uh, I actually, uh, I wrote a poem about one yesterday. I actually, I'm gonna try and dig up that poem. Actually, yeah, I want to hear that you poem if, can, if you have it. Find it. Um, all right. So um, let me see if I can do this. It's called. Uh, my younger son is Moses, and it's called for Moses after he learned to say the letter S. Uh, the high vibration and rapid transfers of energy from kyanite create pathways where none existed before. Thus report people whose wheels are greased with the sort of snake oil your mothers never liked the smell of. Mom knows best. It's the truth.
but I happened to cross a piece of kyanite in New Orleans last month, which I keep in my dice bag. You've learned to pronounce the S in sky. The chi has gone out. Never again will stars twinkle there like diamonds. No longer will we gaze upon the chi in the dwindling light before bedtime. It's all right. Our time in the chi was short and miraculous. Who knows what new wonders the full sky holds. It is unexplored terrain for us all. To access forgotten childhood memories or to recall a word or name that eludes you, touch the center of your brow with kyanite. Wow. So I wanted to, to ask you about your relationship with music as it relates to your depression as a listener. Like, I know that you've been... I know that this has been a force in your life for a long time, yeah. and I know that you've been a music head for a long time. Have you used music to, to, as a balm to make it so feel better? So what I do is not something I recommend. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> something I talk with my therapist about. Uh, I sort of have to see the bottom of the well, right? I have to, to sound the depths. Mm. So I listen to songs that make me feel worse. Right? I don't listen to songs to cheer me up. I listen to songs that make me cry really hard, and I listen to them over and over again. There was a really bad day in 2000, I want to say, 8. I'm not sure anymore, but uh, where uh, there was a song by um, Katie Tunstall called Hopeless, and I listened to it 12 times in a row, and it just got worse and worse and worse, mm -hmm. and that's sort of what I needed to do was chase the spiral down to the end. I mean, the thing is, I, I say I do not recommend this because the, the bottom can be a long way down, right? But for me, once I find it, you know, uh, then, and I'm still there, and I still have my arms and my legs, you yeah. know, I'm still sitting there, you know, uh, there's something about it. I don't try to do that on purpose very often, but when I, you know, actually now, you know, today I'm listening to... Paradise Lost, which is a goth metal band, uh, you know, it's the kind of dark music that depressed people are supposed to listen to. And then just some ambient, which really, I find ambient music is really incredibly useful. Uh, the stuff that's very long and droney. Uh, I mean, you can look harder at yourself or mm -hmm. you can try and vanish. You can try and make yourself go away. You know? <laughs> and ambient music is good for that, for sort of drifting, you know, separating. Do you find that the when when you're looking for the music to take you to the bottom of the well, is it dark music? Is it sad music? Or is it is it resonant with your actual mood? Or would Doris Day, because it's so outside what your mood is, make you sadder? Uh, no. I mean, like I listen to a lot of Amy Grant, Rich Mullins songs. I like to think about God a lot when I am feeling desperate, uh, and. Uh, <sighs> And so I listen to people who also like to think about God a lot. Rich Mullins uh, was a man of great uh, vision as far as uh, uh, thinking about God. He also uh, uh, suffered from some depression and doubt, and, uh, and doubt can really plague you if your mission is to serve God, right? And, uh, and so he writes these amazing songs that Amy Grant is where I learned them from. Michael W. Smith also does some of them, I think. But, uh, so I listen to like a song of his that Amy Grant does called Nothing Is Beyond You. Uh, 
comforting to me. You know, it's uh, that that stuff. Uh, sometimes to older stuff like the Anonymous Four, you know, um, to chant. But 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 I find that uh, Rich Mullins especially, he really, Rich Mullins is unafraid of uh, of. Uh, of exploring sort of a, a, a dicier parts of, of your relationship with the divine when you're feeling mm-hmm. doubtful or hopeless. Right. So it's it's religion, but without the... It's spirituality. It's, yeah. I mean, it's God. It's, 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 right. It's, uh, and so... Uh, All the mess that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a, He was a, a, an astonishingly great lyricist. Huh. Uh, what's the first music that you latched onto that... Uh, that addressed this darkness in you that addressed this depression. Probably like so many people, uh, Lou Reed. Yeah. <laughs> it was Lou. How old were you? Lou all day, 14, uh, 13 or 14. And I, uh, I, the, the, the rock and roll animal version of sweet Jane, which is not most people's favorite version. Most people like the version on Loaded, which I do not. Uh, okay. I, I like, like the aggro versions from the early '70s with uh, you know with the Alice Cooper band dudes in the in the band. Um, but uh, but yeah, I listened to Lou Reed and his stuff. I mean, that was you know a flat representation of desperate living. You know uh, that that early '70s Lou that is not most people's favorite Lou is mine. Mm. Right. I like uh, my favorite Lou Reed album is uh, uh, Coney Island Baby. Right. And but I also like Sally Can't Dance, which is almost generally almost universally condemned. Uh-huh. <laughs> <But> <laughs> what to me, it's just audibly like a, a record by a person who can't even see his way out of the drug fog he's living in. You know, he's like, he's just doing his best to do, to make something happen, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I, I like that record. All the things you said you thought it was dead, everything made me feel aware. Do you find it inspiring? Kind of. I mean, it's inspiring because it's a mess. It's like whenever somebody, when an artist makes a mess, there's something you have to respect that, like, you know, that he clearly wasn't trying to make anybody happy. <laughs> right. It's like he was, like, you know, respecting his video. I mean, Lou is a, is a unique case in music that you, you can never even tell where, you know, what was motivating him to do stuff. He sort of, I think, was really the kind of guy who was open to chasing his muse into the oddest places for the longest time. Yeah, and if you can catch up with him, good yeah. for you. But and if not, he didn't seem to care. He, going he trusted anyway. it was going to happen. So You mentioned Up the Wolves. Uh, I think you've, you've got a few songs that uh, I almost characterize as vengeance songs. <laughs> like there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an uprising. Um, the Magpie comes yes. to mind. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a few songs that that aren't just I'm in a bad place, but you bastards will all pay for yes, this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> what I mean, goes into those? Everything's well, I mean the thing is like so I'm not I you know, those songs are not being written from from the mindsets they're describing. They're they're uh you know, what's Wordsworth's line about uh poetry, uh uh emotion rec- emotion recollected and tranquility. Like I'm not writing those songs when I'm feeling right. bad. I'm, I'm remembering stuff and then I'm trying to find a way of describing a remembered mind state. I'm gonna get myself in fighting trim 
But uh, but the revenge stuff, like because I'm not the kind of person to take revenge, and I don't believe in revenge. Uh-huh. You know? Like it can be very exhilarating to 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 have a narrator to to you know be using the first person and singing about it as if it were going to happen. You know? So. Yeah. Well, it's such a. I mean, with depression, it's and with a lot of mental illness too, I suppose it's such a disempowering, immobilizing yeah. thing that then to hear somebody just rising up and kicking ass is so Well, yeah, so no, I mean, you cathartic. always want, there's that there's that mood that you, people often feel that you want people to see your mm-hmm. pain. You know, <laughs> so you want, um, oh, man, I mean, it dates back to, uh, I think, Thomas Wyatt, you know, yet rue upon my pain. You know, he's talking to somebody who he can't get with, and he, and, you know, he wants to know at least, do you see that I'm suffering? Do you see? You know, and uh, uh, and that's, I think, that's fairly universal is like, you know, that people... You know, people who are suffering want at least for somebody to say, I see you. I yeah. recognize that you're in pain, right? Because uh, that's really all anybody can do. Nobody can help you. <laughs> it's right. like, you know, all anyone can do is bear witness. Well, know? then you have a connection with humanity and, yeah, you know, right. then you, you kind of have a floor. Well, uh, it's powerful to have a witness. To have a witness is, is a big thing. When you're out on the road and meeting people who've listened to your songs and I imagine then people come up and talk your ear off they about do. what their song, what your songs mean to them. Yeah. Um, is that a, a burden to carry, knowing that so many people have put your music so deep into their hearts? So what I like to say is it's heavy, but it's not a burden. It's an enormous honor. You know, it's also, it's a lot. It's like uh, if you do, you know, especially when you do signing lines after book tour, usually if people come up at the end of the night at the merch table, everybody's had a couple pops, you know, I'm a little little toasty and you shake hands and hug and it's all sweaty. Book tour, I'm dead sober, you know, and uh, and when people share their stories, it's an immense honor, but it's a lot to hold also. And so you you try to make space, you try to un- to figure out how to sort of how to sort of honor that moment. But it's also you know, I mean, it makes me think you know about people who you know. I'm not popular. I'm the singer from the Mountain Goats, right? Whereas you think of people who are really big and famous, you know, it's like one thing that they're sort of like Judy Garland. You know, mm-hmm. people brought a lot of pain to Judy Garland and she really wanted to honor that. And it, you know, and it, it, uh, it became very difficult for her to do because it was so much emotion all the time. You know, um, there's other stuff going on in Judy Garland's life, uh, obviously, but, um, but yeah, that's the, it's the, it's this, it's an immense honor to be the person, uh, who people, who, who makes something that people find useful, you know, uh, for coping with stuff that is hard, uh, so, uh, but it's also, it's not something that life prepares you for. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, how do you compartmentalize that though? Because people are, you know, your song saved my life. Well, but this is the thing I always point out. You say your song. Yeah. Now, younger people like to say that you saved my life. And I always say, no, I made a thing, right? That you found useful. And that's a huge honor and that's immense. But I personally, I mean, in a sense, I didn't do anything. Right. I mean, I did something. I made a thing. Yeah. I, I made shared, a tool. I shared a thing that I made. Yep. Right. But, uh, but that does not, I mean, one, it, it sure doesn't mean I'm a good person. Right. It's a 100% has nothing to do with whether I'm a good person or not. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I'm special either. It just means that I'm a skilled craftsman, which is awesome, which is an immense honor to be that person. But I think the way that people construct that heads down some very unhealthy alleys. It's like nobody should think that I, am a good guy for having made these tools or even a special guy 
they should think that I did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear is like, you know, you, you did a real nice job on that one. You know, it's like, I would like to be praised the way you would praise a painter who painted your house. The Hilarious World of Depression is a production of American Public Media. Chrissy Pease is our producer. Kate Moose is executive producer. Special thanks to Nate Toby. Our theme song is called Pagliacci. It was written and performed by our good friend Rhett Miller of the Old 97s. More information on Rhett is at rhettmiller.com. The Mountain Goat's latest album is Goths, and it's available now. My interview with John Darnell was recorded by Michael DeMarc. Veronica Rodriguez was our technical director. If you need help right away, confidential help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's confidential. It's free. Call it if you need to. 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. And the 8255 spells talk. If you want more information about mental health and mental illness and how to start and maintain those sometimes awkward conversations about it, check out makeitok.org. We're on Twitter at THW of D. That's T-H-W-O-F-D. And we're on email. Yep, we have email. Electric mail. T-H-W-O-D, or FWOD, at AmericanPublicMedia.org. I'm John Moe. Bye now. Something I don't know